Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus Investor Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. I want to talk about the kite that is in aspect right now. Um, I have mentioned this kite before several times because it's been going on and off in and out of aspect since the middle of August. Now, a kite formation has four angles to it. And so at the top of the kite, if you imagine what a kite looks like in the sky, a traditional kite, the kite bit at the top is where we're heading. And at the moment, this has got Neptune in Pisces. I mean, wow, Neptune in Pisces has been in Pisces for a while now, but this is almost giving it this grandeur and this real importance because Neptune in Pisces is really there drawing us deeper and deeper into the program, the matrix, the the whole consciousness that is running our lives and our society right now. It's drawing deeper into the magic of it, but also deeper into the narratives that run along and the lies that our governments will tell. And I say lies that our governments will tell because obviously there's a completely fabricated war going on right now. And on one side, we have Pluto of this kite. There's two... Um, there's a sextile each side of the kite. So it's got two shoulders and a sextile on one side is Pluto in Capricorn. And on the other side is Uranus in Taurus. So very Uranus in Taurus, the power, the activation of the planet and Pluto in Capricorn, the toxicity and the power that's going on in the corporate world. So these are the two shoulders that are pushing forward or in enabling Neptune in Pisces to really draw us deeper into this program so that we get so deep within it that it's almost like that's that's when we realize how lost we really are. See, Neptune in Pisces on its own is going to draw us deeper and deeper anyway. But really, at the head of a kite, it's got the opportunity to really push things so much further. And Neptune in Pisces, I mean, Neptune is the rulership of Pisces. Neptune rules Pisces. They're both watery planets. Well, Neptune, you go forward to say, is a gaseous planet, you know, doesn't even have that much form. So to have Neptune in Pisces, it's like a current at sea. You know, you're on a rowing boat in the middle of the vast sea and you don't realise that the current is drawing you somewhere because you, you've got no coordinates. You can't see where, unless you know what the stars are going on, you don't know how much further you're going because the current is just active and pulling you along and you, do, you don't really realise. And that's kind of how it is with our society and our media and the narratives that run, we don't really realise that we're being fed with certain ideas and that we're following them to our benefit, to our loss. We're just following them. And of course, when the current gets a little bit too confident, it becomes more obvious. You know, the current starts to get stronger. Suddenly we are going somewhere and we realise the danger. We realise the the what lies ahead? And that's when it's almost too late. It's too late then. And so do we surrender? Do we surrender? Are we going to go over the waterfall? Or do we try some death defying feat to get us out of the fix? You know, it all seems a bit 
chronically futile when you'll realise how deep you are in once you wake up from one of these Neptune kind of style um, magnetic currents that it can take you along. And I say that because, you know, the Neptune idea, you can get lost in addictions, in drugs, in alcoholism. Those are very much Neptune's area when you're having a couple of drinks and then, you know, six months later, it's a couple of drinks every night or a bottle every night, etc. It just draws you in imperceptibly. You don't know until you really wake up in trouble. And that is the sort of dissolving nature that Neptune has. It's not all bad, but there is this idea here, you know, that we're either surrendering to something and allowing, allowing something beautiful to happen, or we're just allowing and not even getting sense of it. And then suddenly realizing how deep we are, we're in the whirlpool all of a sudden. And really, when when we are in that whirlpool, we're suddenly having to wake up to the idea that we need some magic. We need something really miraculous and otherworldly to take place in order for us, for the current to change, to the whirlpool to change direction. So that's when we start to pray. That's when we meet spirit. And that's when we kind of out of our desperation or out of our wonderment or out of um, not knowing what else to do. That's when we want to get in touch with the divine to something beyond our physical world. And thereby we arrive at the transcendence nature, this transcendental, oh, I can't say that again. Then we arrive at the transcendent, then we arrive at the transcendence of Neptune, the, of Neptune in Pisces, which is where it's the letting go, letting go of all. And that saying, let go and let God is very much a Neptune in Pisces. And it's where we want the magic to happen or where it happens anyway. It's where the miracles occur and the beauty of divinity kind of opens up to us and we suddenly realise that something has happened. And also, you know, so many artists have painted or sculpted the rapture, the rapture of understanding or meeting with the divine. That is absolutely Neptune in Pisces. And and as Neptune in Pisces dissolves our kind of connection or awareness or attachment to the manifest world, there's this divulging that we're actually being shifted into new dimensions. We are in a dimensional shift right now. And Neptune in Pisces, that's its role. And here at the head of the Kite, it's got lots of planets backing it to push us forward and through or magnetize us really. And this means, you know, Neptune in Pisces is about our consciousness expanding. And it's here, it's enabling us to realize that that's actually what's happening. And then actually on that level, you know, if we are letting go or connecting with the divine or expanding our consciousness, also then we can connect with our dreams, the dream world. This is the Neptune in Pisces. Like, this is my desires. This is what I can dream of. And perhaps when I go to sleep at night, I'm going to think about, I'm going to dream about those things and perhaps they might come true or perhaps someone might hear them or maybe the current that I'm on is going to shift towards those dreams. So that's why I'm really keen to focus on this kite formation with Neptune at the top because there is a beautiful quality and also a dimensional shift in the offing here. And also now that 
you know, now with Neptune and Pisces, it's been here for a while in Pisces. So it isn't automatically going to get you transcendence or get you in touch with the divine. It's something, like I say, that works imperceptibly and also really without your effort. It is beyond your own effort. And it's a bit like when someone, one, might experience the Kundalini rising. There's books written about this in the the yoga sutras, etc. You know, you look at, oh, someone's got had a Kundalini rising, this absolute connection with the divine, this opening up of energy within the body and this feeling of bliss. And so if you were to try and, and get the Kundalini rising, if you were trying to make that happen for yourself, it kind of evades you. You can't make it happen. And that is also, it says this in so many of the yoga texts, you just have to carry on doing your work. Do, you know, it's like um, before enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. Before, after enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. So you have to be carrying on doing your stuff and the Kundalini rising might happen to you and it might happen to your mate who hasn't done half the effort, half the work. So it's in that allowing and and also while we're allowing things to happen to keeping our own integrity, it's like a balancing act and thereby we are unable to meet spirit in our own terms perhaps or come into alignment of what is in our path and in our hearts and that's what's going to open up for us so i'm thinking i'm feeling this and the beauty of this very much so now with this kite formation and and it did make me think of uh, the recent um isis or the Islamic State fighter turned kind of devout Muslim, or was he a devout Muslim anyway? But um, it's currently doing the rounds on social media where this guy who's a devout Muslim, he, uh, Jesus, appears to him. And so I was like, why, why him? <laughs> you know, just like the Gundalini rising, why her? Why does that happen? You know, and may it may seem random, but obviously it's not, but actually at the same score there's nothing you can do to make it happen you've just got to carry on chopping water carrying wood um but anyway so that if you haven't seen that story it is rather beautiful so why did the jesus appear to this guy who had done quite a lot of you know he'd been an um, isis fighter and really done or killed people in the most horrific ways and he'll he says something or he touches upon that if you're going to look it up um so he was fighting as a Muslim, and he thought he was doing the right thing, obviously, but then he had a whole load of guilt about what he had really done, the bad part of it, you know. But his, he, being a Muslim, you know, he was reading the Quran once a month. I mean, he was pretty devout. He knew his scripture, and he ate the right things. He prayed at his temple, and he was a significant player within his kind of um, community, his Muslim community. Um, but yet, Jesus appeared to him. You know, so he, this guy's actually doing Allah's work and he was committed to it. Yet he had done some atrocious things. And in that he wanted forgiveness. And that's what he was feeling bad about. And he was praying and he was kind of going, what am I going to do with myself? You know, he really was in a kind of an angst at that point. And he couldn't get that forgiveness. And and apparently or reportedly he says that, you know, you don't get forgiveness in life in the in with 
um, with Allah, you only he only grants you the forgiveness at death. And then you may or may not get that forgiveness. You know, you don't know. You've got to work blindly. And I like that idea that you've just got to keep going and doing your thing, which is what we're saying here with this Neptune in Pisces. You've got to do your thing even though uh, and be aware of any currents of movements that are taking you there but just keep to your own integrity but also this idea that you don't get um you don't get forgiveness in life you and you don't know if you're going to get it in death either but that's when it happens but this is really in a juxtaposition to the dial a crime and then get forgiveness straight away conveyor belt style of the catholic confession box on the other you know there's they're, they're both two extremes aren't they maybe that sounds a bit derogatory I don't mean to sound that but it is you know you can go and forgive get forgiveness for your sins straight away and forget them which is great that's really taking the load off you the load of the the guilt and obviously guilt is a man-made kind of emotion but interestingly though they say that in an exorcist when in an exorcism in the catholic church or or I suppose in other churches too but um if you are working or if you are if there is the devil there, he doesn't know. The devils, the demons, don't know any of your sins if you've confessed them. And I find that quite super powerful that, you know, that you can go and confess your sins and offload that and and the devil doesn't know about them. So he can't tempt you back with them or make you feel bad about them. Um, but having said that, I have never confessed any of mine to a priest anyway. So... <laughs> um, Perhaps I should. But anyway, this guy, this Muslim guy, he says he was praying and and he was weeping at the same time. And he was really kind of in angst about this, about his crimes past. And then he hears a tap on his left shoulder and it goes, I, a voice says, I forgive you. And he's like, what, what, what? And, and, and he goes, who are you? Like, who, who, what, what hell? And this voice says, I am the way the truth and the light and I like powerfully and he's like what and as a Muslim he doesn't know that this is biblical scripture he doesn't know this is John 14 6, verse 6 and he's kind of bewildered like what what's this person this voice saying and he and he's like what the hell and then he goes so he goes what is your name what's your name and the voice goes Jesus Christ the living God I'm like, wow, this is such a powerful moment in it for anyone. And when I was listening to this, I was getting goosebumps. And basically, he was converted there. He had a full conversion. And this relates to my point then that there is someone who's doing his dedicated work, what he thinks is this honest truth, what is his pathway. And suddenly something else opens, something magical opens up for him. That he hasn't he hasn't asked for at all. He was asked for the forgiveness, but he said he actually said, um, uh, "Who are you that I should fi now feel forgiven?" Because he said he suddenly this light, this weight lifted off him, and he felt he really did feel forgiven in that moment, and that was kind of key to it. Um, but there he was, diligently doing his thing, what he thought was the right thing, and what was in his heart for then that to happen. And I think that's much the same as, you know, getting the Kundalini thing. You've got to do your thing and do it diligently, you know, to to achieve that, I guess. Or not you're not going to achieve it. That's the wrong word to use for something magical to 
appear is the right way of saying that. And, and, and not just magical, something beautiful and something spiritual for something to turn around. That's so Neptunian Pisces. And, you know, his whole story is there. Um, it's on the Internet. If you want to go and have a little Google, it's quite powerful. He tells it in, a, in long form. Um, you could Google something like ISIS fight, fighter sees Jesus and, and it will come up. So as much as I'm talking about the head of this kite, Neptune in Pisces, and I'm, and I'm starting talking about the diligence of doing your work diligently, or what you think is right. And so the opposite of Neptune in Pisces is actually the uh, is Virgo. And Virgo and the last decan of Virgo right now is the tail of the kite. The full decan, which is 20 to 29, it actually goes into Libra a little bit. But that de last decan of Virgo is the tail of this kite formation. And of course, Virgo is true diligence. Virgo is doing putting yourself in service to something you believe in or into something someone else believes in and offering that up. So I think this this axis of the Virgo due diligence, the Virgo um, a ritual and sacred um, blessing on one side of really doing your work, which you think is right, opposite to the transcendence and the spiritual divine blessings that come and the magic that comes at the other side with Neptune in Pisces. So this kite, uh, which is fairly rare, is formed with the head position, um, which is obviously Neptune in Pisces. And then on each side is a sextile. And, you know, sextiles are highly active and they're very positive. And on each side of this, we have uh, two generational planets. On one side, we have Pluto in Capricorn. And obviously, Pluto in Capricorn is right at the end of his days in Capricorn, where it's been for 15 years and also has been crisscrossing backwards and forwards over America's Pluto return. So this kind of showing up the darkness, the power, uh, the corruptness within the corporate world is is huge to push humanity forward with this Neptune in Pisces. And then on the other side, we have Uranus in Taurus, which is actually the electrification and the uh, awakening of the planet and all its inhabitants. That's us. So, you know, they're in this sextile, they're highly active. And, you know, the Neptune in Pisces is the middle position of this very active and positive place. And of course, the two sides, Pluto and Uranus, will are in trine to each other because a trine is two halves of the textile. And they both make a trine back down to the last decan, which is the last third from 20 degrees to 29 degrees of Virgo. So anything that plant passes through that last decan is going to activate the kite and push the kite forward. And of course, when anything goes into that last decan to push the kite, it's going to be in opposition then to Neptune in Pisces. And we call this position the tail of the kite. So it's in opposition there. And it kind of works not necessarily antagonistically, but despite of and highlights that even though the energies might be completely opposite. So in form, the tail of the kite and the two sides form a grand trine. 
So they form a grand trime in whatever signs they're in. In this case, it's earth signs. And in earth signs, in any other sign, the flow becomes so fast and and a bit crazy, you know, air or fire. It's like, wow. But this is earth signs. So they are making the flow is is for earth that doesn't move. It really does make it move. So it's really making huge shifts that are long overdue and that are really kind of digging deep and making things happen. But of course, in a grand time, the energy can go round and round. So when there's a kite with the two sextiles pointing, it gives the kite or gives the grand trine somewhere to move towards and it provides the point. It provides the purpose and therefore the tail then becomes the operation or the driver to head that way. So this is how the kite works, um, you know, going one way with some energy to set it off at the tail. And whilst Neptune at the head and the two sides of Neptune and Uranus, as well as being you know, slow moving outer planets, generational planets. The tail at the moment in this last from August has been activated on and off by personal planets, per, you know, pers planets that affect us on a daily or domestic or very kind of um, every now and then uh, what we're dealing with on a day to day level. And the first of these to activate this kite was Mars. And that was back in August, just as the Venus retrograde was happening. And then Mercury came along. And so it's almost like Mars was coming along and, you know, being the inspiration, being the activation that really we are now moving forward. We are kicking off this dimensional shift. And then Mercury comes along and Mercury stationed there for his retrograde, stationed there, moved away and then came back again. But before he moved away, the sun came in. So it's Mercury came in with the thinking power and then went, hold on a minute, I'm going to re reorganize this. Then the sun came in with the vital force to go, yes. And then the Mercury came back again, all from August right through to end of September. But now in October, and actually in October, but now in November, Venus is here. Venus came here from the end of October and is now here kicking off this kite till the 9th of November. So really, Venus uh, is here in Virgo. And kind of is important to whatever transcendence, whatever magic, divinity, spirituality and dimensional shifts that we are going to encounter and experience at the other end. So this letting go and the surrender at the tip here is really conversely into, you know, taking in what we're actually doing on a very much a personal level down in Virgo. And remember, Virgo is utterly discerning and Virgo is has a choice here. This is the choices that we personally make here down in Virgo. And of course, like our Kundalini rising and like our Isis fighter with visitation from Jesus, you know, this is all about our diligence and our dedication to what really we feel is right in our hearts. Um. But I also do think that Virgo gets a bad rap in the modern world of, you know, Virgo the Virgin. You know, it just seems so, well, you know, if you just listen to modern astrology, it just looks quite banal and harmless and not hasn't got the depth to it. And we might scoff at this depiction. 
and I'm sure many who do. But really, Virgo is the goddess and Virgo is the priestess. So she is a gatekeeper of all that is sacred in that way and very much in with the earth magic of what's going on in the planet in an earthly sense. Never mind what's going on (laughs) in Neptune and Pisces in an otherworldly sense. And I very much think we need this in our modern world to reconnect with that Virgo essence. And you could say that the witch trials, the burning of the witches, knocked out so much of of society's understanding or the West's understanding uh, of what nature is and how it works in our lives and our connection to it and also our personal power within the spiritual aspects of Mother Nature and you know, what our sense of being connected to earth is, it completely got taken away and taken over by patriarchal, hierarchical institutions. And I was very pleased to hear that the Indian scholar, the intellectual and environmental activist, Vandana Shiva, who has so much respect for, she was also saying this recently, exactly this, She's saying, you know, the manufacturing, the the idea that we've got to factory farming and the patenting of seeds, the manufacturing process has gone into hyper commercialization is exactly what the, what doing with the witch trials. It's disconnecting us from our power with Mother Nature and it's disconnecting us from all that is sacred and also that all that is alive within nature. And Vandana Shiva, I mean, yes, look her up if you don't already know her. She speaks so eloquently about this. And she believes that women have a special link to the biodiversity of this planet. And we are the best custodians of, as she calls it, Earth health. And we are the custodians through our knowledge of heterogeneity of life. And by that, she means the diversity of life, the understanding that we give life and that therefore we understand how diverse and varied it is and that we are connected to that life cycle inherently. And what she's also saying is that the patenting and the piracy of biodiversity and of nature's rich abundance is a violation of spiritual, ecological, biodiversity and human rights laws. I mean, she's adamant about this and she talks so long and eloquently about the idea that we are nature. We are connected to nature. We should be connected to nature. And all that is happening now in the commercial world of farming or the commercialization of farming and our waters and our earth and, you know, t- stripping the planet of its riches. Let's not even go into the Congo and what's happening there for our phones and our cars. You know, this is Virgo's territory, exactly Virgo's territory. What is happening to us, uh, our connection to that and allowing a corporate body to take that over. I mean, also, it's it's also Taurus in Uranus territory, too. And it's also Pluto in Capricorn territory, too. But Virgo, it's up to us and our sacred connection to this that is being lost. That's the key point here that Vandana Shiva really extrapolates on that point. So, yeah, she's saying it's down to us and it's our connection that's being lost. And with personal planets, 
which is Mercury, Venus and Mars and the sun, which is our vital force, all at the tail, all the drivers of this force, this force into another dimension. This is the Virgoan sense in ourselves that we, the people, need to activate in order to progress to the next dimension so that the magic does happen. So the more that we connect to Mother Nature, the more that we understand that it's us that need to connect and not just have our dinners supplied to us, that we are the ones in control of this, the more then we are going to enable our connection to spirit. So it's through the food, through the earth, through Mother Nature that we connect to spirit. And so that's why I think this Pisces Virgo axis is so vitally important for humanity right now. And of course, it's important because of this kite. Uh, the other axis, of course, that is going on that's really important now is the eclipse axis, which is now shifted for the next 18 months into Libra Aries. And that's coming into focus and it's in different ways. But I think they all work together because in this kite, we've got these generational planets here at the head. So they are about to make epic shifts of the ages. And we've heard talk of this. We've heard talk that we're going into to new dimensions and that there's an ascendancy at stake here and that our consciousness is expanding and that our, we're loosening our bodies from the etheric and the astral. And this is it. This is it speaking, astrologically speaking, we can see it here. And here, the sun, our vital force, you know, are really forcing us to take action along with Mercury, Mars and Venus. We have to take action here. And it can be quite exciting. Yeah, it can be exciting. It's not all bad. It's nothing to fear. But here, Virgo, remember, she defines the goddess in the nature and the goddess all around us. Nature is all around us. And this chimes also with this book, The Way of the Rose, which is a book just came out recently. And it's about the, a new understanding and a re-engagement of the Rose Diva and with Mother Mary and with nature all around us, as well as an engagement with the rosary beads. And it's absolutely not a Catholic book, <laughs> um, although deep respect there, obviously. But it's a beautiful book and its correct title is The Way of the Rose, The Radical Path of the Divine Feminine Hidden in the Rosary. And so it's a part revelation of appearances of Mother Mary and where she's appeared and what she said and what's her attitude here. So it's all about her blessings that she's providing. But she's also saying, I am nature. I'm all around you. I'm here to do your bidding. And but it's also this book is outlining how the rosary was once a garland of roses in the pagan sense where people would use these roses and use the rose diva to connect with the beauty of nature and what they wanted in life. So it's part ritual connection to the deep love, which obviously the rose embodies the deep loving nature, love in nature, sorry, and the cycles of life. So that was the original meaning of the pagan um, rosary, which has been obviously evolved quite some way. And, and so this book is saying that this, our connection with nature is via the goddess, is via the rose, via all this symbology. And that, you know, Mother Mary is just there waiting for us to ask to connect with her via these symbols, um, 
And here, I think with Venus here in in Virgo until the 9th of November, I think we've definitely got the ability here to reconnect that all is all that is sacral within the divine feminine and really reconnecting with the innate power of the sacral in the divine feminine and the yoni and those powerful kind of energies there, the creative force that is there. And I say that for both men and women to, to connect with that divine feminine sense of themselves, but also to connect with that that's w without and within the goddess or within Mother Mary or whoever you're feeling that. But also then with the rose. Definitely. I am um, one of the I've been initiated into the path of the rose as a separate thing, a priestess of the rose. And I find that rose diva so utterly powerful and healing and understanding of the pain that it takes you to get through in life. So all of that, I think, is available whilst Venus is here in Virgo at the end of this kite. And talking about that feminine power as well as the masculine power, you know, I want to refer to Laurie Crenn. I don't know if you've connected with him. Laurie Crenn is on Instagram. He really does beautifully expressed about the polarity in the sexes and the wounding, the father wound, the mother wound, and how it really does affect us when we go into relationships. Uh, his Laurie Crenn, L-O-R-I-K-R-E-N-N, um, if you fancy following him. So he says, this is him correct directly, for the world to move back into balance, the feminine needs to rise to her full power once more. And I just think, yes, we do. That's Venus in Virgo. We've got to get hold of that sacral um, and that sacred and really embody it and take hold of it. This is exactly how I feel about this kite. But it's also what I feel about the Libra Aries eclipse axis. They're all working together. And of course, there's so many other people there on Instagram really helping us connect with the sacral power of the feminine, which has been oppressed. And I of course, we want to connect with the sacral power of the masculine, but it's the feminine that has been oppressed and it's the feminine that is being returned. And it's the feminine that needs, as Laurie Crenn says, to come in back into balance and needs to rise if we are to move forward, if the world is to move forward. And I think this is exactly what's going on with this kite formation. And Laurie Crenn then goes on to say, and explain everything how, as if he'd read the astrology, <laughs> and I think you'll like it. He says, the feminine is the gatekeeper of the sacred. And that is why women were once worshipped as goddesses and highly sought after for their counsel. And I think then now you're harking back to the asteroid Pythia, spelt P-Y-F-P-O-L-E. P-Y-T-H-I-A, because of the pythons that they were said to bring in the noxious gases through the cracks in the earth. And they, she's now an asteroid, and it's um, where it's here, the female oracles whose counsel was of the highest advice before they got taken over by the priests. So it was the female oracles that were the first. So also he said, so I'm thinking of Pythia here as well. But anyway, he goes on in this, the feminine connected to is connected to the highest vision. That's definitely Venus in Virgo, you know, with the discernment and the idea of what is attainable. And then he says, and the masculine then 
turns that vision into a reality. So super Mars active directive drive. So it's a really nice combination in the rice polarity of the Venus feminine and Mars masculine. And Laurie Crenn continues uh, very pointedly. He says, without the feminine, any leadership is doomed. As with time, it will disconnect from the sacred because of the need for the power, greed and ego. And my golly, can you not see that going on in our planet right now with the need for greed and uh, that ego expressed by governments bringing us into a war which could be is, is really a lesson in living together, living in harmony. So I don't see what's wrong with what Laurie Crenn's saying. I utterly agree with it. And it is astrologically where we are right now. But he then says, but also in order for the masculine to rise fully, the feminine has to rise and vice versa. So we can't do one without the other. And I do believe, if I've explained before, I feel like that there's been a, um, a weighted towards the masculine right from the beginning in the Bible where it says that Lilith is banned. It's like from there on in, we can't have an equal current earth cycle has got a dominant male and therefore it's inherent that we have to learn these lessons in this earth cycle. So this then feels like the equilibrium rebalance of the south node, which is now in Libra on this eclipse axis for the next 18 months. So it's like but with then with the Libra South Node, with the regaining of our sacral ritual with the feminine of Venus in Mars, a Venus in Virgo, as it is now. And then conversely, as well as the opportunity to rise that Neptune in Pisces offers. But with the realignment and proper ownership of ego in the right expressed dynamic way that the North Node in Aries offers. So I feel that these two axes are really key and poignant at the moment for us to move, move on and move forward. And Laurie Crenn says the world can only return to equilibrium if both the masculine and feminine are in divine union once more. So now, as I say, with these personal planets and with Venus here in Virgo, we are duty bound to reconnect with nature, to actually put in some dedication, Virgo style, to really making that happen for us. Making our connection to nature in all its abundance, making our connection to the mother, to the goddess, to nature in that sense, in all her glory and accepting Gaia planet earth as a living breathing alive being which is incredible and as some of you may know i visited um with my astrology group i visited grand the grand canyon most recently oh my god i was so utterly overwhelmed with the expansion of planet earth just opening up like that i cried i literally stood on the edge of the the Grand Canyon and cried. And so many people have said that they felt the same. And my teacher there said, you know, if you've got to, you can see it, you can feel it, that planet Earth is a living, breathing thing. The minerals, it's the, everything within it is the consciousness is there and it's super powerful. And I think that's what we need to get in contact with. And the way we get in contact that with that is through ritual, with through honouring. 
And it's like we can enliven our chakras, especially the sacral chakra, especially the heart chakra in connecting to Mother Earth in a lived experience. So in terms of the sacred ritual, it comes in by honoring the elements, the earth, the fire, the water, the air, really understanding that they are living um, essences. And then honoring the directions, always having a sense of where the sun is rising and the and the sun is setting the north and the south. It's so important in ritual to have those directions to to therefore have our space within that, holding that space by making dedications or offerings, gifts. You know, making an offering to something is so powerful. And I've talked about this when we're working with Saturn as well. And so creating blessings. And making the space for these to flow, making, creating beautiful spaces for that to happen within. And this is all Venus in Virgo territory, making that sacred out of the mundane and out of the ordinary. And remember, Virgo is a manifesting sign. She really wants things to happen and get done and is super efficient at doing so. So here we are, we've got until the 9th of November to really kind of draw in those energies to really push us forward. Um, but on top of that, I want to also let you know that Juno, the marriage broker, is now in Virgo. And Juno entered Virgo on the 17th of October. And she's going to be there all the way through next year to August 2024. And, you know, Juno is here. She She's going to, that's a long time for an asteroid to be here. So she's going to make a small retrograde uh, in January 2024. She's going to go back from 21 degrees Virgo. And of course, 21 degrees Virgo was where Mercury was retrograding from in September, September, August. So remember, there may be things coming up for you then, relationship stuff coming up. And that 21 degrees Virgo is a key spot. Um, She'll retrograde until April 2024 and move forward then from six degrees Virgo. So Juno's presence here in Virgo is going to bring uh, much more ideas about being discerning within relationships, being um, doing the right thing when nobody's looking, <laughs> doing the right thing within the partnership dynamic and really then to work on the per correct polarity or the equilibrium of the sexes. Because, of course, the South Node is in Libra bringing up that equilibrium. So also here, the choice is yours. Juno is making that choice of partner, choice of what you do within the relationship. So up to you to really be to get it right for yourself to do the right things so that you make the relationship for yourself so i'm going to leave you with that and i would like to let let please let me know if you have any revelations to add to this be very keen to hear that and so um please do go in peace in the beauty way it's very venus in virgo <laughs>